It's a show where some adults give each other a book report about a mystery, marvel, or machination of their choosing, designed to make each other say, What? Or what? My name is Ellie Main, and joining me as always is the fearless Swamp Witch, Chelsea Hafush. What's up, Chelsea? Have you guys watched 365 Days? No, you just know I haven't. <laughs> <laughs> no, one, I have not. Please tell me about it. Please Tyler, tell me about it. Tyler, have you watched 365 Days? Guess Tyler. Am I allowed to talk? <laughs> Uh, not in 365 Days World. I've never in 365 Days World, you're only allowed to say, are you lost, baby girl? What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, I'm confused off Like, that. from start to finish, from top to tail, what the fuck are you talking about? Chelsea's describing okay. a dream she had. <laughs> <laughs> okay, there's this movie on Netflix right now. It's a sort of foreign film, but it's English language. So what does that worry. mean? <laughs> How can it be so foreign but also English? It's Canadian. I don't, I think it was made for English audiences. So the idea is that, okay, so you're saying that it has an accent? Yes, uh, it's exactly what I'm saying. Thank you. Is there's like an Italian guy and a Polish girl and she doesn't speak Italian and he doesn't speak Polish. So English is the only language that they both know. So they're forced to communicate uh, in English, okay. that, but they do have accents. So they're bad at it. Yeah, they're not great at it because <laughs> she's canonically 30 years old and he what only refers- <laughs> <laughs> she's canonically 30 years old and he only refers to her as baby girl <laughs> tyler yeah go to your girlfriend it's turn off all the lights turn off this book leave the microphone walk away start my life over <laughs> no turn off the lights watch 365 days you will get smashed it's within an inch of your life. Why'd you start talking about the movie? What is it? I don't get it. I just asked her how she was. <laughs> no, this is happening. This is fun. I can't stop thinking about it. It's so weird. It's like Maybe this Italian mafia guy, and he kidnaps a, a canonically 30-year-old woman and says, I'm going to kidnap you and hold you for a year. And you have to As fall in do. love with well, me. You uh -huh. once told me about a Netflix That's movie nice. where two women have the same cello for an arm or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, that was also a really good movie. <laughs> so I'm just going to move on. This week, we have a very special guest. If you guys love hearing the fun as hell jam at the beginning of every episode and the little spooky in-between segment moments and the Google credit music, oh. then you'll be as excited as we are to welcome Tyler a comic creator and composer, the composer for what? Uh, to the podcast, Tyler. Oh, hello, us. hello. This is a dream. Uh, <laughs> the idea that I could be on the podcast and not just make the music for it. He's showing us what looks like one third of a keyboard. <laughs> what am I supposed to say? hand keyboard. Oh, I've, I've just been informed for the people at home. It is a syntho. Oh, it's oh. a synthesizer. Hey, actually, you know what? Can we talk about the music? Because I listened to it, uh, the last episode in anticipation and preparation, and one of you has been doing a little bit of uh, some tampering, some editing. I noticed that you sped up a track about 400%. <laughs> no. Yes. No, that's it's just true. I promise neither of us know enough about music. I don't know to how to do that. I literally have dragged it. Dragged in the dropsies, all the music that you gave me, I've not done anything to it. 
Am I crazy? I feel fucking Maybe you're crazy. I can. You did make those for us like a year ago. Yeah. <laughs> Which one do you think I fucked up? Well, how would I name it? They don't have names. They don't have labels. They do. Actually, huh? and I will tell this on the podcast, they were all labeled <laughs> podcasts. One through eight. That's true. <laughs> okay, but I do think that since you since you unfairly like dragged Ellie's good name through the mud, you Rude. now have to sing us a little song. <laughs> Just a little one. You know what? Give us a little give us a little real life sting to transition seamlessly from whatever the fuck this is into the mini game. Uh it's funny you ask because I've actually been working on a song and I can pull up the file now and displaying it. Okay, here it goes. We're now going to play a mini game where Chelsea and I present the titles of our topics and we all get to guess what they might be. Are you guys down? Yeah. I'm so down. Let's fucking boogie. Would you believe, would you believe that I feel like I actually have a really good title this time? Kind of. Yeah. Aww. No. I don't know. Great. Well, those are all the options. <laughs> awesome. I believe it. My title is The Winner Who Lost It All. Ooh. Is it about ABBA? Why would it be about ABBA? The winner takes it all. The loser has to fall. You guys know about ABBA? That's not Apparently not every song. The winner takes it all is so a famous song. What? Did Meryl Streep sing it in the movie? Actually, I bet she did. The winner who lost it all. Ah, and, it's, and it's not ABBA. And so, it's not ABBA. Is it about a casino? No. Hmm. Anything casino related? No. What about gambling? Uh, oh. Do you consider the American dream a gamble? <laughs> no, I mean, no, I don't. Go on. Is it because you're a cis white male? Yeah. Ooh, oh, I feel like you're setting me up to... Uh, Is it because the system's rigged, Tyler? <laughs> Is it hot in anybody else's room? I'm sweating. <laughs> oh, I'm sweating buckets. Like, I am dripping wet. Not me. But I already told the story of the guy who, the Ponzi guy, who made all his money and lost it. You'll never believe this, Ellie, but there are actually a lot of really fucked up stories in American history. <laughs> what? That's not what I was told when I moved here. <laughs> That's not what you were promised. I was told it was excellent and emotional, slightly embarrassing sometimes, but overall beautiful. And that you were going to, as you like pass through like the skirts of the, uh, yeah. mm -hmm. of the lady. As I pass through the skirts of the lady. <laughs> the Statue please. of Liberty. The Statue no, just, of Liberty. No, please, the skirts of the lady. <laughs> Continue. <laughs> what was next? You passed through the skirts of the lady, yep. and then you saw America, and then you fell to your knees and you wept. Yes. Because it was so beautiful, and it also fundamentally looked different. Yeah. Than the other, like, developed country <laughs> that you lived in before. Oh, yeah. I passed through the skirts of the lady, and I was greeted with the vision of America. Mm -hmm. And before me, I, all I could sense, all I could smell, all I could see, all I could taste was freedom. Oh, that's so beautiful. Wait, I have a question. I actually wanted to ask this up top. Do you have a name for your listeners? Yeah. Yes. Will you tell me? Oh, um, Big Booty Bitches. Okay. Not... <laughs> what up, Big Booty Bitches? Big Booty Bitch Nation! Uh-huh. The title of my topic. <laughs> oh, oh, God. The title of my topic is A Trillion Dollars and the Most Powerful Monk. Wow. 
It's about Jesus. Yeah. Okay. Heaven. No. Jesus in heaven with all of his riches. That's it. Yep. I've decided that this is the week that I'm just, <laughs> just going to evangelize. Uh, and it's about Jesus and whatever. What did you say? Heaven and all the angels? And all his riches. And all his trillion dollars. No. Uh, the, most fa- the most famous monk? Most powerful monk. Most powerful monk. The, the, the water bending, the airbender, last airbender. Uh, it's not about the last airbender, but I could understand why you, mom, your mind would go there. It's not about that. Tyler, you know anime. You're nerdy like my boyfriend. It's true. It's true. Who's the most powerful monk in anime? Oh, I've actually never seen Avatar. Kara's currently watching that. It looks stupid. It's for babies, right? <laughs> it is no. for babies. No. Oh, uh oh. It's good. Speak your piece. Yeah, so it's that. No, it's not. Can you can you change it real quick? No. <laughs> yeah. Why do you always say that? <laughs> you well, could it be about that? <laughs> <laughs> could you maybe make that connect? So monks and monkeys, there's no relation, right? That's a coincidence? Oh. <laughs> Wait, is that? This is, like the etymology? This is my favorite episode of all time. The most powerful monk. Tonight, today, this morning, whenever you listen to this, I am talking about the Padmana Bahaswami Temple. Have you ever heard of it? No. No. Good. So it's a temple. <laughs> it's a temple. It is a Hindu temple situated in Tiruvannathapuram. Kerala, a province on the southwestern coast of India. The main deity of the temple is dedicated to Vishnu. So the idea is like Vishnu lives there, uh, specifically in his Anatha Shayanam posture, which is uh, like a state of conscious cosmic slumber. It's this idea of like sleeping and like the world and all of time is kind of like passing around him while he's asleep. It's pretty cool. And he reclines on the body of a five hooded serpent. Uh, which is yeah pretty fucking badass this entire temple is covered in gold it has security 24 7 365 days of the week it has metal detectors security cameras more than 200 guards patrol this ancient indian temple some of them have machine guns like this is a serious thing whoa yeah is it because, this is the question I bring to you tonight, is it because of what's actually inside of it, or mm-hmm. is it to maintain the surrounding people's belief of the spiritual importance of it? A classic, are you keeping it out or are you keeping it in situation? Exactly. So this temple has featured, it's been, it's been around for a long, long time. People don't know the exact date that it was built, but it's appeared in ancient Indian literature as early as the 6th century AD. Okay. Maybe even the 9th century AD. A poet named Namawa wrote that the temple of this name uh, was built entirely of gold around city walls built entirely of gold. So I'm not sure if that's the exact same temple, but it might be. So this thing is like old, old as hell. Mm-hmm. Tight. We are going like full Indiana Jones Tomb Raider tonight. Like I hope you respect that right now. It has all the elements... I'm so excited to bring this to you. I'm, I'm excited. This is my job. I would expect no less for your birthday month. Thank you. So, underneath this temple, this ancient temple, there are six chambers. 
1931, the state of Kerala, where this Indian temple is located, was in some kind of financial difficulty, right? Hate to hear and it. they thought, what if we opened one of the vaults to see what was inside? Maybe we could use that to help our state out. I just like, it's the beginning of like every like disaster movie. Right. It's like <laughs> the beginning of the mummy when everyone's like, this yeah. And yeah. Like, the sand is pouring. So they opened a couple of these chambers and what they found, hundreds of diamonds mm. and precious gems like as big as like full digits, like pe- big as people's thumbs, like emeralds and diamonds and, and sapphires and all this stuff. They found a statue of the gold Mahavishnu reclining 30 kilograms of pure gold. Whoa. So many years later, after that, in 2011, the Indian Supreme Court ordered that all the vaults underneath this temple be explored. In 2014, journalist Jake Halpin, who writes for The New Yorker, conducted extensive interviews with the people who opened the vaults. And this is the account they gave. The doors to vaults A and B required multiple keys, which had been entrusted to Varma and the temple's current executive. The observers used the keys to open the metal grill door to vault B, discovered as a sturdy wooden door just behind it. They opened this door as well and encountered a third door made of iron, which was jammed shut, so they turned their attention back to vault A. Once again, they unlocked two outer doors, one of metal and the other of wood. They entered a small room with a huge rectangular slab on the floor kind of like a toppled tombstone. It took five men more than 30 minutes to move the slab, and beneath it they found a narrow, pitch-black passage, barely wide enough for an adult to get through, leading down to a short flight of steps. Uh-huh. Before the observers descended, a team of firemen arrived and used special equipment to pump oxygen down into the enclosure, because it was that deep, that old, and at the bottom of the stairs there was this vault. One of the observers recalled his first glimpse of the treasure within. When they removed the granite stone, it was almost perfectly dark, except for a small amount of light coming in through the doorway behind us. As I looked into the vault, what I saw looked like stars glittering in a night sky where there is no moon. Diamonds and gems were sparkling, reflecting what little light there was. Much of the wealth had originally been stored in wooden boxes, but with time the boxes had cracked and turned to dust, and so the gems and gold were just sitting in piles on the dusty floor. It was amazing. All in all, they excavated five of the six chambers. Okay. The treasures inside were said to be worth billions, if not trillions of dollars. What? Trillions? Wait a second, that can't be right. Well, I'm assuming there's more to this story. (laughs) It was one of the biggest treasure finds of all of history. Gold idols, golden elephants, idols wearing 18-foot diamond necklaces. Holy hell. Hell yeah. Countless bags of gold coins from all around the world. Ceremonial costumes, uh, including a 66-pound solid gold coconut shell studded with rubies and emeralds. Why do you make that? What do you do with that? Because it rules. Cool. You give it to someone and say, enjoy. Hey, do you like this? (laughs) Coin experts estimated that the vault held approximately 100,000 gold coins spanning centuries of trade. So there are Roman, Napoleonic, Dutch, Mughal, like all these different civilizations of gold coins. There was a set of solid gold body armor. Yes. Ropes of gold, several meters long, just full, like ropes made of gold. Venetian jewelry. Emeralds the size of ostrich eggs. (gasps) That whips. Barrels of golden rice. I gotta be real with you guys. I don't like capitalism, but I do like treasures. Treasures is very fun. Like, yeah, I like about, a treasure. 
I like a gem. And it was like the most incredible treasure hoard of all time, potentially. Trillion dollars. If a trillion dollars was in one dollar bills, it would stretch 2.72 times around the Earth's equator. Wow. If it was in a hundred dollar bills, one trillion would be enough to fill four and a half Olympic sized swimming pools with a total volume of 398,000 cubic feet. Nice. That's what a trillion dollars looks like. Still can't conceptualize it, but I appreciate it. What is golden rice? I think it's like, from what I was reading about, it's a barrel of gold like shards so fine that they look like rice, but it's an entire barrel full of them. Tight. The thing about this temple is that there is a part of it called Vault B that no one has ever opened, supposedly. Oh, yeah, because you said they weren't all excavated. So five of the six chambers were excavated. Mm -hmm. Vault B, the examiners who did this uh, excavation, they excavated all the other chambers, so five out of six were down. Then, two weeks after that, one of the key players in the fight to explore the chambers, who was one of the people that went on the excavation, died very suddenly of a fever. Ooh. At home or like at the vault? At home. It was two okay. weeks after the exploration, tried to open the vaults, tried to open vault B. Two weeks after that, this guy died of a fever. Oh. Cursed. He was cursed. So that's the idea. Oh. Uh, <laughs> Just as some background, this is how, I don't know if you're wondering, but this is how this particular temple ended up having these incredible treasures within it. It amassed its riches in the early 18th century. At the time, the place where this place, like there was a royal family in this place, um, like the royal family of Travancore. And they had uh -huh. a Maharaja who was battling some lo local chieftains, I guess, the police, fuck the police. Um, and his his main rivals were known. This is kind of badass. This, his main rivals were known collectively as the Lords of the Eighth House. <laughs> nice. Sounds yeah. like a fantasy young adult novel. Exactly. This whole thing does. So one day, these men gathered in, in plotted to assassinate the Maharaja during a festival at the Padmanabhaswami Temple. Mm -hmm. The plan might have succeeded had it not been for an old man, the keeper of the well. Attached to the inn, oh, it's me, the keeper of the whale, who overheard the conspirator and sent word to the Maharaja. So then, on the day of the festival, the Maharaja shows up at the temple armed with all of his soldiers, and he orders the rebels to be executed. He seized their wealth and leveled all their homes, sold their wives and children into slavery. Great, uh, yeah, not great. And then went on to conquer to conquer all the nearby kingdoms. So he like thwarted this plan of assassination, which basically let him take over the whole land. And he accumulated all the profits from those from those places that they had taken from the spice trade for nearly 2,000 years. And this has been like a whole thing documented in history. In ancient Rome, senators lamented that local women used too many quote-unquote Indian luxuries. And in That's what I've been saying the whole time. <laughs> That's what I'm saying about! In 77 AD, Pliny the Elder proclaimed India had become the sink of the world's gold. Uh, and okay. even in the 16th century, the Portuguese echoed this statement, complaining that too much of their silver from the new world was going to India. The British, when they arrived in India, said the same thing. So it was kind of well known that riches and these gems and all these kind of like exorbitant things went to India to, to be never to be seen again. And the idea is that they all ended up at this temple. Wow. Ah, uh, so yeah. it's like centuries of like accruing. So the legend goes, Chamber B has not been opened by anyone in centuries since it was sealed. But wow. despite efforts to open it, no one really knows what's inside. 
But other than like all these riches from Europe and everything that's, that transpired in that area, there's this kind of legend that in centuries past, Maharajas of the area performed a ceremony in which they would weigh local princes who approached adulthood and donate uh-huh. to the temple an equivalent weight of that in gold. So that was what? also added That's to the tools of the, yeah, this child is about, this is about 180 pounds. Put that of gold in the temple. That was the whole thing. They loved it, apparently. You got it. A child was 180 pounds? Don't judge their children. This is so Indiana Jones. In 1908, there was an attempt to open the vault, but the explorers found the antechamber was infested with cobras. And yes. fled for their lives. Ellie, were you here for the summer of Austin Cobra? No. We had a cobra, like not to brag, but like <laughs> we did have a cobra for like a week and it was like on the loose in Austin and everybody was like, oh my God, where's the Austin Cobra? <laughs> what? Uh, but then they finally found what? it. You what were, this? Tyler, you were here for Austin Cobra. Are you thinking of the Austin Bomber? I'm thinking of the Austin Cobra, but I don't want to get off topic, unlike some people. <laughs> oh, trust well, me, all I want to do is be on a Speaking of Cobras, so yes. apparently the door, <laughs> Great, to vault, <laughs> the door to Vault B, which has never been open, supposedly, uh-huh. carved on the door are two giant... Wait, Ellie, question, not to interject, but I am interjecting. Because they can't open it, or because they don't want to open it? I'm or getting there. Uh, How come Chelsea gets to say that? I've earned it. (laughs) Carved on the door are two giant cobras thought to be warnings to anyone who opens the vault. This door has no bolts or latches, no keyhole. There is no mechanism for opening the door, but a ritual. How is that possible? Well, so some people think that there's a tunnel that goes under it and people have sealed it from the inside. But ah. other people think or, that there's a ritual that you need to do to sure. open it. So it's and I like that one more. Yeah. <laughs> Only the most powerful Hindu monk able to perform the Garuda Mantra would be able to access this vault. <gasps> What's the Garuda Mantra? I'm so glad you asked. Garuda is the mount of Lord Vishnu. Remember, this temple is dedicated. It's the home of Lord Vishnu. Yes. Garuda is depicted as having the golden body of a strong man with a white face, red wings, and an eagle's beak. Tight. With a crown on his head. And he is Duh. massive, like large enough to block out the sun. Oh, that's big. Yeah. Big it's a big boy. boy. It's a big boy. A little thick boy. It's like uh, Tyler's cat yeah, hunk. 180 exactly. kilograms. <laughs> the, Garuda, the Garuda is the eternal enemy of snakes and protects people from poison and other negative influences. The mantra is used to remove black magic, debts, and tantra surrounding the area. To perform the Garuda mantra, what you would need is the most powerful monk. He would take a black cloth, place a lemon and red chilies on it, then uh-huh. he would chant the uh, 11 mala of the mantra in question at night, burn the black cloth the next day, throw the lemons and the chilies in a nearby river. But currently, there is no monk deemed powerful enough to perform the chant to open wow. the door. And that is why, <laughs> why they have never opened it. Another legend surrounding the door, the idea is that um, what's magically sealing it 
is sound waves from a secret charm that's now lost. What? Since a long, long time, the Travancore royal family have been trustees of the temple. And that's kind of the era. Like, the royal family isn't obviously a thing in India anymore, but it's, like, still kind of a legacy thing from when it was. When it was. Yeah. The widespread belief is that if any human attempts are made with man-made technology to open the mysterious inner chamber, disasters are likely to occur in and around the temple and throughout India and quite possibly the world. It's kind of like a Pandora's box of bullshit that they don't they don't want to open because they believe that they're such powerful things. Yeah. There are these theories that there's like a levitating idol uh, in there and other like ooh, miraculous nice. what? like Hindu cool stuff. They probably shouldn't tell people that if they don't want them to open it. Right. I know. Doesn't that make you want to open it? So the Indian government wants to open it, funnily enough, but the Travancore royal family and many religious devotees have appealed against it. They invited a group of astrologers to hold a four-day ceremony known as the Devaprasnam to ascend the will of the deity who lives in the temple. They would find a child who would serve as the instrument through which the deity conveyed its wishes. And so, yeah, yeah, so these astronomers arrived in the town and they found a boy praying at the temple and decided that this was the guy. This is the boy for me. This is the boy for us. So the astrologers sat him in front of a lamp a mirror, a piece of cloth, some grains of rice, betel leaves, a betel nut, an ancient gold coin, and a copy of the Bhagavad Gita. Mm-hmm. A sacred powder was sprinkled on the ground to make an astrological chart of 12 boxes, one for each of the Hindu birth stars. And then the boy was presented with 108 conch shells and told to place them on the chart. And as he did that, Everyone chanted prayers, and the astrologer said that this would reveal what the deity was thinking. This would reveal what Vishnu thought. And in good. this case, it wasn't good. Uh-oh. Yeah. Oh, no. So About so, what part? About the idea of opening the vault. Mm. The astrologers concluded that Vishnu wasn't happy, and so they told the press, it's advisable that the wealth found in the chambers is not moved. These are not valuables, but also divine, and displacing this will invite the wrath of the Lord. Um, he said it would bode ill for the people and for the land and that the by one by this guy who opened the vaults originally dying from the fever two weeks afterwards that the deities already made it yes. so i mean that's yeah. fair so this chamber to this day has never been opened and uh people still do not know what's inside ps5 but, uh there's an there is an ongoing plan from the indian government to try and get in there and figure out what's in there so that is the story of the temple i would play that mission in fallout dude that rules yeah it's pretty cool right it's like a real indiana jones story with cobras and everything ever since i was a tot i've always loved the concept of like a vault you can't open like (laughs) you don't know what's in it that's classic tyler score ellie immediately and if you don't score her a lot i'm gonna uh I know where you live, and I also know how to operate your truck. This is an extremely aggressively friendly competition. Yeah, this one's yeah. easy, actually. I think I, I know Ellie. You get a point. Yeah. I'm ready to move on. Chelsea, just stop. I thought Chelsea already gave her story. When do you think that happened? Okay, my topic Yikes. is the winner who lost it all. Um, oh my god! No. Right. 
All right, no, you guys stop. Seriously, okay. you guys, I'm serious. Okay, go on. Have you guys seen this movie that's on Netflix? Oh my oh, god! Oh, shit. <laughs> no. I'm gonna eat that. <laughs> I'm gonna come to your house. I'm, I'm gonna lose my you. mind, guys. This is not. <laughs> Wait, you guys didn't let me finish. It's called Snowden, oh. and it's about Edward Snowden. Only old bait and switch. Yeah, it was. It was a bait and switch. Um, I don't think I have. Seen you guys have never seen the Snowden movie? Yeah, I'm familiar with the Snowden. I think you should see it just because it has about 250 percent more graphic sex than I think you think it does. Oh, as like, no. oh, as like Snowden. a biopic about a man who's still alive. The only thing I like really remember seeing about Edward Snowden was this interview with other people where they like all of them thought that he was Julian Assange and he just like crumples. Oh yeah, that was on the uh, the last week tonight, and That's he right. was very upset about it. <laughs> That's right. This is a true story. You can look this up. But like, so so he was locked away in like a consulate, and he like got kicked out because he was like had a tennis ball and he kept throwing it at the wall. It was like bothering the person on the other side of the wall that was in the consulate. I think this is in Brazil or somewhere in South America, and they like kicked his ass out. Yeah, Look, to... he's uh, he's eccentric. Well, he was bored. But this, but this story isn't about Edward Snowden. I bring up Edward Snowden oh. because <laughs> I bring up Edward Snowden because one, I do think the biopic is fucking hysterical. And yeah, there's like all these like they're like so yeah, so here he is working at the NSA, and also here he is fucking. And I'm like, this was not necessary. This was not necessary to like move the plot. This is so confusing. (laughs) I didn't need to see this. I don't think of Edward Snowden as like a sexual being and I don't think I should. Edward Snowden though, I think is, I would say, and I think you guys might agree, would be like our most famous like whistleblower of our time. Oh, I'm a Stanford reality winner. It's so funny you would bring up reality winner. Are you about to? Sorry. On my topic uh, about the winner who lost it all. Oh, if you've been yeah, paying yeah, attention, you might have you might have successfully guessed that. You yeah. fell into the sinkhole of truth. Swiss. Oh my god. That's where he is. Guys, thank you for having me on your podcast. I'm out. Edward Snowden is our most famous whistleblower. Edward Snowden is a controversial figure because some people say that by releasing all of that information about the NSA, he made the United States vulnerable and our allies vulnerable to uh, cybersecurity and other security attacks. But the counterpoint to that, right, is that he worked for months prior to the publication of the materials with um, journalists from The Guardian and The Washington Post to go through all of the documents and redact anything that wasn't useful for the public to know and could potentially open citizens or civilians to attack. Also, furthermore, Edward Snowden has stated on several occasions that even before he brought the documents to the journalists, he himself, as an NSA expert, that's what he says, uh, <laughs> went through, I didn't, I didn't mean that sounds shady. I just Should mean like, this, he's like, yeah, like I know what all these things are. Yeah. So I'm going to go through them first. And he's like, I took, he's like, there's tons of documents that like I never showed anybody because it just wasn't useful. And so you can really thank the reporters theoretically that like, you know, contrary to what some people said, World War Three didn't break out, right? Like the the Skynet didn't take over the day right. after Edward Snowden oh. released all of that information <laughs> yeah. about how the NSA was spying on civilians and American citizens all over the world. However, as Tyler pointed out, there is um, another whistleblower who was not so lucky mm-hmm. because she sent documents 
which showed proof of the Russians interfering in the 2016 election mm -hmm. to journalists at The Intercept. Mm -hmm. They published it and within an hour, she was arrested. What? Even still to this day in uh, you know, June 23rd, 2020, Intercept, I guess it's legally not allowed to admit that it was them that they got the leak to, although they brag about it all the time. And it was very obvious that it was leaked in the Intercept. That's true. This is essentially yeah. becoming like a co-topic between Tyler and I, <laughs> which is fine. Um, <laughs> I like it. No, it's no, it's clear that so what I wanted to talk about in my topic was not necessarily as much about like reality winner as yeah. well we're one, like fucking incredible name. Holy shit. Uh yeah, who are her parents? Can we get the winners? Them on the order? Apparently. <laughs> Hello, we are the winners. The intercept allegedly screwed this up so bad, right? Oh, because they fucked up so bad. I actually can get it on this one. Good. Okay, cool. So, because journalists, they have an obligation, right, to sources yes. to protect them. Um, yes. And that clearly did not happen here since Reality Winner oh. was arrested within an hour. Yeah. yeah. So here's what's crazy, Ellie. You know what gave her away? No. Her printer. Oh, what? I was gonna yeah. Her yeah. printer. So this is what happened. What happened was Reality Winner was in the Air Force. She was honorably discharged. This is a person's real name. This is the person's real name. Her name is Reality Winner. She was born in 1993, so that would make her what? Yeah, 27. She's like 26, I think. Yeah, she's like, got a bus. Yeah. yeah, she's very young. She was honorably discharged from the Air Force, okay. and she was looking for a job. But you know, because she was a, uh, she worked like in um, intelligence in the Air Force. She still had her security clearance. Okay. From that, and I don't know if you know this. Actually, I I heard about this on TikTok. If you just have security clearance, which is apparently a thing you can apply for, if you have security clearance, there's like all these places that will hire you like on the spot just because that's a complicated thing to get, I guess. Wild. And not everybody has it. So since she had security clearance, she got this job with a place called Pluribus, which was um, a contractor that worked with the NSA. Okay. And then similar to other whistleblowers, Pluribus. she got- It doesn't sound evil at all. I know it's dark. And now you will come into Pluribus. And she started to see all these documents that basically supported the idea that the uh, Russians interfered in the 2016 election. Okay. And she was like, well, this sucks. <laughs> it's this bad. Is bad. This is very bad. This is bad. So she allegedly like took the documents out and then she mailed them anonymously to the intercept. So the intercept obviously they thought when they got these documents that were top secret from the nsa i'm sure they were super fucking excited right and yeah. they ooh, yummy yeah they were like oh we got our big giant scoop scoopy scoopy but they did what any journalist is supposed to do which is due diligence which yeah. for this journalist that meant going to the source that they had for government documents and nsa stuff because right. Most journalists, especially investigative journalists, they have they have like a guy for everything. It doesn't always have to be a guy, but it's like, you know, I got my NSA guy and I got like my, you know, entertainment guy and I got my Oscars guy and I got sure. my business guy. So yeah. he went to his NSA guy and he said, hey, check this out. Does this look legit to you? Am I, do you think I would be good to print this? But here's where he fucked up. He gave his source literally the stack of papers that had come through the mail. Oops like the actual primary sources, which you're never supposed to do. You're supposed oh. to present it 
in a way like you know maybe like take a screenshot like take an image of it make a transcript of it because the thing is is that and this is common knowledge that Ugh. printers or classified documents like you and i know ellie like when you get a script from somebody right like yeah. the script will have like a certain kind of coding that you don't know about and so then, that if the yeah. script gets linked they know who's leaked and they know who it is locks all over it right well so <laughs> if small to medium-sized production companies can do that like yeah you think the nsa doesn't put that kind of stuff on their documents right and then furthermore because she had the documents and then she printed them from her home computer her home printer and then mailed them to the intercept i think possibly thinking because i could totally understand this this line of thought if i do this in a more lo-fi way it'll be less trackable right mm -hmm. as opposed to maybe like sending it over the internet where everybody knows things can be traced right well all laser printers nowadays do like these like almost completely invisible like yellow dots on the side mm -hmm. of papers and they are in a specific sequence and that is unique to each printer like a fingerprint what so yeah so she sent those to the intercept again allegedly this is Allegedly. Allegedly sending these to the Intercept. That journalist then sent just the direct papers to his source at the NSA. And that guy who got them was immediately like, ooh, and just gave them like straight to his supervisors. Which sucks because he was obviously he had built up a level of trust with this journalist, right. right? That he could be trusted. But I guess my assumption is, and since this is an ongoing case, like nobody's come out and like written their big book. Is it ongoing? I thought it was like, done. is it? On well, I think it's ongoing in the sense that people want to get her out of prison. Okay. Uh, yeah. Cause look, here's, this is the most recent thing on April 24th, 2020, a federal judge rejected winner's request to commute the remaining 19 months of her 63 month sentence. So she was given five years in prison or a little over Damn. five years for this. Yeah. I'm assuming that the source at the NSA saw how serious these documents were and maybe thought that if they didn't turn them over, they would be implicated. Mm. And especially like under a, an administration that is, first of all, would not want people to know that the Russians interfered with the election. And then even furthermore, have been historically really hostile towards whistleblowers. I'm right. assuming that this person feared for their own safety and that's yeah. why they turned it over. Yeah, of course. But yeah, the FBI was literally like, all they had to do was look at the printer and then like, put that fingerprint into their thing. And then they were like, oh, it's it's this woman. That's insane. I had no idea woman. about that. Yeah, it's a, so it's a less well-known story. You'd think that they would use her as more of like a scapegoat or like an example, because I know it just, from like statements that he's made, I know it just really grinds Donald Trump's gears that like he can't, I don't know, hang Edward Snowden. Like it, <laughs> it bothers him uh -huh. that he's still like living his most medium life in uh, Russia yeah. like, instead of here in America. He's like made weird statements about it. Here's, here's one of uh, Donald Trump's tweets about reality winner. <laughs> Cause you know. Great. From yeah, uh, August 24th, great. 2018. He tweets, ex-NSA contractor to spend 63 months in jail over classified information. Gee, this is small potatoes compared to what Hillary Clinton did. So unfair, Jeff. Double standard. What? Jeff being Jeff Sessions. Well, Winner felt that this tweet was uh, a show of support and said that she was going to ask Trump for clemency, which did not come. So I guess her feeling was, uh, yeah, you're right. You know what? This is not worse than what Hillary Clinton theoretically did, 
which is which is definitely one way to try to approach getting something from Donald Trump. Right. Like, you know what? You are so right and also smart. So the moral of the story is, is that I think we think about journalists as having like a weird code. Like every every person I've ever known that studied journalism always talks about this, right? Where it's just like, well, yeah, like it's like unethical as a journalist, as a journalist, as if like it's like similar to like taking like a Hippocratic oath as a doctor and you have like these like core rules that right. you're supposed to follow. Mm-hmm. But there are there is no Hippocratic oath for journalists. So some journalists, like the ones at The Guardian and the Washington Post that work with Edward Snowden, will spend months trying to get this right. Whereas like unfortunately this woman, no matter how you feel about what she did or her like sucking up to Donald Trump afterwards, she really trusted the wrong person. Yeah. And that person has not obviously faced any kind of consequences. That's wild. Isn't that crazy? So within oh. hours she was arrested. One hour. One hour. Within one hour of it going live on the Intercepts website, she was arrested. And she is incarcerated at Carswell in Fort Worth, Texas. Wow. Yes. For leaking something that was true. For leaking something that was true. So this is another thing that I think is really strange, and I want to learn more about it. Similar to when we did the topic a few weeks back about diplomatic immunity. Yeah. We talk about like whistleblowers, right? But like whistleblower is an actual term, like a, yeah. a legal term yeah. that you have to uh, qualify for. So to qualify to be a whistleblower. And actually it's controversial whether or not she's considered a whistleblower. Huh. Cause she definitely didn't get whistleblower protection. Because right. that's the idea, right? Is that if you qualify as a whistleblower under like the guidelines in the United States, you get protection from certain types of... Uh... Well, how do you qualify? That's a great question. Let's so find out. A whistleblower is a person who exposes secretive information or activity within a private or public organization that is deemed illegal, unethical, or not correct. That is so vague. Under federal law, in order to qualify for whistleblower protection, an employee generally must have a good faith belief that the employer or its employees are in some way violating the law. So again, like that's purposefully vague so that like, basically if you get a conservative judge, he's probably gonna be like, no, fuck you. Because how do you prove that you had a good faith? Like, it's hard for me to imagine somebody doing something that risky yeah. unless they truly believed, which is what good faith means. Well, right, doesn't that prove like the sort of the countervalence where it's like, why would I do this unless Because uh, otherwise you're just jeopardizing your entire life. Yeah. yeah, you're literally jeopardizing your whole life as we've seen. I mean, I believe mm-hmm. in the case of Edward Snowden, there was talk that they wanted to charge him with treason, in wow. which case- mm-hmm. He would, uh, he, I mean, they wouldn't, I don't think they would do it, especially not Obama, maybe Trump, but like. He could have had this death penalty? Yeah, he could have, he could have, he would have been eligible for the death penalty under federal law. Yeah. Which is wild. So like, that's what whistleblower laws are designed to protect is that you should be able to expose wrongdoing without literally fearing for your life. Uh, But as with so many things with the law, it's just up to who do you, it's luck of the draw and who gets to interpret yeah that who's enforcing it who gets to yeah yeah so is that what went wrong it's just a, a matter of personal interpretation by one particular person yeah so i mean she was charged and then they tried to you know have the charges dropped and they said no she doesn't qualify do you for- know she was actually given a misdemeanor for having a very silly name Nuh-uh. yeah it's true they got her for violating the espionage act 
Right, right, right. Which basically, they're saying that she's a spy. She's a snake. She's a spy for the internet. (laughs) You're an internet narc. You're a little internet spy, aren't you? I see you. So among those charged with with violating the Espionage Act include Edward Snowden, uh, the whistleblower who published the Pentagon Papers, Mm -hmm. Chelsea Manning, Julian Assange. So... She's in uh she's in company, I suppose. Yeah. Tyler, what are my points? Score oh, me, coward. Easy. Kelsey, you get a solid point. One point for each of us. You really it has nailed been the harshest and yet most equal episode of what so far. We tied. Tyler, yeah. Good. Tyler, how can people find you? I hope they don't. <laughs> okay, great. Chelsea, how can people find you? You can find Tyler at Sultry Deer oh. Oh. on uh Instagram. Overwatch. And I think Twitter? Overwatch. You can find me. Don't. (laughs) What? It's a four-year-old game? No. Do not play Overwatch with Tyler. Chelsea, how can people find you? (laughs) Uh, You can find me apologizing profusely to Ellie. We're at Chelsea Harfouche, wherever internets are sold. And you can find me at Ellie Maney on Twitter or Ellie Main on Instagram. And you can find this podcast at WhatPod on Instagram, Twitter, Patreon, and Redbubble, and you can find- And OnlyFans. And only, uh, and only fans. <laughs> and you can find, that is not true. And you can find our website at thosetwogirls.club, and that has our merch and information of how to contact us if you might feel like supporting, or even, I don't know, maybe sponsoring this podcast so we can quit our jobs. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of What Pod. It's been an absolute- No, pleasure. this is fun, guys. Thank you. I love it. I wish you could keep doing it. I think we're hitting our stride. Was, we, got, we got one fan. It was extremely fun. He's our he's our he's our only fan. He's our, that's that's what we mean. That's what we mean by only fan. It's just <laughs> Tyler in a in a white room. <laughs> and like a 24-7 camera on him. He's just waving. Yeah. He's just that's what pot slash only fan. <laughs> Tyler, were you there the time that Cotter saw I'm going to end this podcast now. <laughs> Good night, everyone. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. 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 <laughs>